Welcome back to a Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host, uh, Dustin. Wanted to do a, a post-game pod for the Mavs last game against the Oklahoma City. Um, I wanted to do it mostly because I sort of wanted to you know, react to the new players that the Mavs have and sort of um, talk about going forward you know, what I might think or whatever, stuff like that. But um, obviously the first game for the new players was quite the success. Um, a couple things stick out when you look at the box score. One of them is one of them's funny that Luca only took 14 shots. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Uh, that's not as many as he usually takes. Kyrie took 19. And Luka scored 32, and Kyrie scored 25. The Mavs had seven players in double figures, which is, is an oddity. You know, Derek Jones was only two points away from 10. Um, Josh Green was four points away. He had more of a uh, all-around game, sort of a Josh Green-type game where uh, he does a lot of contributing in other ways. Uh, you know... Plus minus is a funny number, right? Um, Kyrie was the highest, it looks like, at a plus 32. But the poor Jane Hardy was the only one as a minus five. It's You know, and Jane Hardy, I didn't think, played that poorly. Um, you know, it was, they just were in a position where Oklahoma City was just hitting a bunch of shots. Um, they were, one of the game plans seemed to be let, you know, Josh Giddy shoot his three-pointer and don't defend him. Now he was a minus 23. Shea was a minus 31. And Giddy did go for three for nine um, on his threes, which is not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, it is, you know, he's one of their more poor shooters. You know, they have a lot of really good shooters on their team. Um I'd love to have a guy like Isaiah Joe on the Mavs, but uh, anyhow. Overall, though, with the new players, um, Gafford was the one that really stuck out, and I think a lot of it has to do with his role on the team. Um, you know, Gafford is, you know, he had 19 points, he had nine rebounds, four of those were offensive. He shot six free throws, he was five for six. Um, which is, you know, big. You're, you know, a guy who you're not calling plays for is shooting free throws, right? So um, he was huge on, on the defensive end as well. Uh, you know, he had a block on Gilgis Alexander one time, one play, and it was fantastic. Um, it's just something they needed. Uh, you know, seeing Powell in garbage time, kind of sad. But, you know, at, at some point... You had to realize that he's he's he is a third stringer. Like he's not a first string. He's not a second string. And if, if he's your first or second string, you're gonna struggle. But uh, Gafford though was fantastic. Um, everything is advertised, um, and a lot of it has to do with him being in the paint. And it's the same thing with Lively. You don't want a situation where it's it's a layup drill for the other team, right? You, you just don't want that. That's 
it's so frustrating to play a game where, you know, when Dwight Powell, you know, these these teams they coach or they they these the other teams they scout the Mavs right, and they know who to attack on defense and who not to. You know, I I saw a few times where they were trying to switch for Hardaway. Hardaway's not a great defender. And there was a few times I'll notice Oklahoma City was sort of switching on to him with Gilgis Alexander so that you could have that. Because Dallas threw a lot of different players at him, which was an interesting um, thing to see because normally they sort of keep the same guy on him every night. But it seemed like they decided to change things up, which is cool, good to see. And... Um, they seem to throw different players at him, but uh, it was you know for for Dallas to have a, a rim protector out there in Gafford instead of Powell, which teams know that he lacks the ability to block a shot, and they're gonna attack the rim. So it, it's it's it was fun. He is a difference maker. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of national media people made the comment about when they were talking about uh, the trade, you know, obviously they were talking about the first round picks given up. But, you know, these aren't short term trades. You know, these are long term trades where both players are 25. You, you, you don't. You know they're both under contract for several more years. It's not just like they made the trade and they're going to be gone, right? And so both players, you could see right away were upgrades, right? Gafford is better than Powell, and he, he's better than Rashawn Holmes. But I felt Rashawn Holmes was better than Powell. But uh, I I don't know. A lot of people disagreed, and whatever. That's in the past, but. Daniel Gafford is definitely better than Powell. And P.J. Washington, it was very clear, he is better than Grant Williams. That's not, nobody's going to argue that, right? If, if you think, and I'm not saying this to say anything bad about Grant Williams. I I thought there was a lot of negative stuff said about Grant Williams when he left. Look, Grant Williams plays hard. He had some bad moments. He was a frustrating player to watch like Tim Hardaway Jr. is a frustrating player to watch Grant Williams was the same way and you know he played so well to start the season and to have the fall off was tough to watch and you know he had a good first game with Charlotte I'm happy for him Um, he's in a different situation he's on a different team it's funny Charlotte I don't want to spend too much time on Charlotte but you know they got some guys who could shoot the basketball and Seth Curry and you know when Williams is making his shot. He's a good shooter, and they also they also got uh, Bertans for uh, Gordon Hayward from Oklahoma City. But uh, that's something that Charlotte's kind of needed is guys who can just hit an outside shot like that. But anyhow, PJ Washington is a better player than Grant Williams. He's a different player as well. He he's not even. It's not like. Because I feel like Gafford and Holmes were sort of similar players, right? You're going to get the similar thing out of them. You're going to get rebounding and shot blocking and rim running, right? That That's what you could get from all three. But Gafford's the better player. Again, that's something that nobody's going to argue about. You know, everybody 
knows he's the better player. And that's why you have to give up something to get him when you're trading away Rashawn Holmes, right? Because you're not going to do – it's not a one-for-one type situation because, you know, Washington wanted something in return. So, um, you know, P.J. Washington is not only a different player than Grant Williams, he's a better player than Grant Williams. And, you know, maybe Grant Williams is better defensively. If somebody wants to argue that, that's fine. Whether he is or not, I don't know. But P.J. Washington has a lot more length. I do think he is, let me look real quick, I I do believe he's an inch taller. He is an inch taller. But more than anything, he's got a a longer wingspan. And he has the ability to dunk the basketball, as you saw with his first basket, catching an alley-oop and dunking like that. That's something Grant Williams had no ability to do. And... I, it was it was really good seeing that. Um, you could tell the the role on their team, uh, the the role of P.J. Washington and the role of Daniel Gafford's completely different. Daniel Gafford stepped right in and he fit in that role perfect, and he knew what he was doing. Obviously, I think P.J. Washington's role is a bit different, so it's going to take him a few games before I think you really see his impact. Obviously, he had an impact yesterday. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying I think you're going to get more points from him. I mean, I think he'll be able to average between 16 and 18 points a game for this team. I think he came into this, uh, he was with Charlotte, he was averaging like 13 points a game or something like that. I think he can average 16 to 18 on this team just based on the fact that he's going to get a lot of open possessions, whether he decides to take a shot or dribble it to the rim. Um, That's, you know, We'll see. You know, he was one for four on his threes. His three-point shooting's okay. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, but you know, he only took four. The rest of his shots were closer to the basket. He missed three three-pointers and he missed four shots overall. So he only missed one two-pointer. So you know, he was five for six on his twos, which is really good. So you know, that's what I want because we already take a lot of threes as a team. I don't need more guys to take threes. I I want guys that can get twos. That's that's sort of when people talk about his three point shooting. I'm like, you know, I'm not too worried about his three point shooting because he can dribble. You know, he can put the ball on the ground. He can create his own shot. And I don't necessarily want another chunker. I want a guy who will go for a layup. You know, and you know, he had this sort of floater he did a few times and it you know it works so i you know i think that i think the Mavs sort of see him as their third score the third best score i think he um i think he can be that um you know hardaway has i think too many inconsistencies in his shooting to be that guy you know, like the other game, a couple games back, he had zero. You know, and he was 0 for 8. That's Hardaway's. That's not the first time he's been 0 for on this team. You know, going back since he joined. Go back and look. He's had a lot of 0 for games where he got big donuts for score. I don't think P.J. Washington that guy is that guy. I think P.J. Washington's going to be able to score the ball regardless. And I think Dallas sees him as their third scorer. And you, I... I would like to hope, just based on watching the game yesterday, that you're always going to have this lineup where you have 
Luka, Kyrie, or Washington, you have two of those threes on the floor at all times because I think I think that's their best chance at defeating teams that are you know in the top four of the West. You know, uh, PJ had twenty four minutes last night. That's that's a lot of minutes, um, and I like to you know I like seeing. You know, Gafford only played 17. Uh, you know, having Gafford now will be able to lower Maxie's minutes so that he doesn't get hurt. You know, Maxie was playing too many minutes. Maxie's been playing really well. He had 12 points. He was two for four on his threes. He had four free throws. He made them all. He had 12 rebounds, which is crazy for Maxie. But um, the rebounding battle was another thing that Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington are going to help with this team. Um, they won in rebounding 54 to 40. Like that's, I mean, that's a lot. Now, I I think that's a something that OKC does struggle with because OKC does lack size. They did sign Bismack Biombo um, as a because he was waived by Phoenix or something or no Memphis or whatever. He was waived by Memphis. So they which. Obviously, he's he's not um, he's not he's not awful, uh, but a team like OKC that really lacks size, I, you know, he's gonna help. But how much help? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see um, how much of an impact he has because, like, that's one thing OKC lacks is size that's one of the things I, that's one of the reasons i think okc will probably finish or closer to fourth in the west uh, when it's all said and done which it, it's a huge improvement for okc that's why i think chet's rookie of the year because last last season they finished 10th and the only two players that were added were casein wallace who's a rookie who doesn't play a ton but he does play and he plays well but chet holmgren has played every game. Um, he played 22 minutes. He didn't have a bad game. He had 13 points and 12 rebounds. He had a block. But to me, Chet Holmgren's the biggest difference on that team. Um, he challenges guys at the basket. He's going to get dunked on, but he doesn't care. He still challenges, and I like to see that. That's what Maxi does. And he's been the biggest difference. But I, I think if, you know, when you look at the standings, currently in the west you know dallas is still sitting at eighth but the number five team is only a game ahead um now sacramento has 21 losses phoenix and new orleans have 22 losses and dallas has 23 so um oklahoma city is playing sacramento right now uh if i look at the score it is halftime, and OKC's up by 10. So if OKC happens to beat Sacramento, that could help Dallas um, and give Sacramento another loss and really make Dallas a lot closer. Dallas has a game against Washington and a game against San Antonio prior to the um, All-Star break which are both winnable games. Uh, from what I understand, Lively's already been ruled out of the Washington game. I I hope... Um, I think Dallas is... I, I'll say this. 
I don't want to jinx them, but I think Dallas is good enough to beat Washington and San Antonio without Lively. I so if they want to hold them out till after the All Star break, I guess that's fine. But if we could start the second part of the, and I, I know it's the like second part of the season, and there's like fewer than thirty games left, but if we could start, I think there's actually exactly thirty for Dallas for that, um, from what I understand. But uh, maybe twenty nine. But anyhow. If you could start the post-All-Star break, I'll say that. Post-All-Star break with a pretty much healthy team. I'm not sure about Exum. I don't know what his status is. But if you could you know, start the post-All-Star break with a healthy team, that that could go a long way according to some website called like tank.com, tankathon.com. I don't know. Dallas has the third easiest schedule to finish the season. Um, they still got a game against, I believe, Sacramento, Minnow, Phoenix, and Boston, and Denver. But they also have t- games against, like, Detroit. Um, I think Toronto's in there. Um, and some other bad teams, obviously. So, uh, it's, you know, Dallas, with these new additions, they still actually have a chance to win 50 games, believe it or not. I do think... I do think they can pass at least New Orleans. Um, you know, New Orleans and Sacramento did nothing to improve their team at the deadline. I think Dallas has. I think Dallas can pass them both if everything goes. If everything goes right, I think Dallas can pass them both. Um, I see Oklahoma City has already moved to the fourth spot. Uh, with they have seventeen losses along with Denver. Minnesota and the Clippers have 16, but uh, I think Dallas has an opportunity to move up and avoid the play-in tournament, whether they get fifth or sixth, having the easy schedule, and I think Dallas does play Phoenix one more time, having the easier schedule and having the improved players. Um, you know, I, I I think Jason Kidd did say one thing that is right, Um after the trade happened and before the guys played, is you you have to be patient. You can't expect, you know, P.J. Washington, he sort of, he kind of stood on the three-point line and sort of watched it first, but that's, he's not acclimated in the offense. You've got to give him time to play with these guys. It, It could be five to ten games, and I'm fine with that. That's just something, you know, you have to expect you can't, you know, I, I Gafford's got a different role. You know, his basically role is to rebound, block shots, and defend. That's easier, in my opinion, to get acclimated on the team than what P.J. Washington is going to be asked to do. Because, I, like I said, I think he's going to be asked to be a third scorer. And, you know, if you can, if Dallas can get, you know, 15 to 18 points a game from them and continue to get what they're getting from Luca and Kyrie and get Lively back and get Gafford and always have Lively and Gafford out on the floor at all times. I would like to see Maxi sort of slide to the four, play him next to Gafford or Lively, whatever. I would like to see, ultimately, I think the best starting lineup the Mavs could have is Luca and Kyrie with Josh Green. P.J. Washington and Derek Lively. I I think that can be their best lineup. 
And I know Daniel Gafford at this moment being more experienced is is probably a guy more you know you'd like to see maybe in front of lively I don't know I'd like to see lively start because it doesn't hurt having a really talented backup center coming off the bench like Daniel Gafford um you know even if if Gafford plays more minutes you know that's fine you know if Gafford plays 26 and lively plays 24 that whatever I do. I think. I do think. I'd like to see Lively start next to PJ. PJ's a more experienced player. I don't want to see too many young guys coming in at once because I don't know when when Exum's coming back. Um, Hardy's going to need to play some. Uh, Hardy has been pretty pretty good lately. I'm I'm glad Dallas held on to him. Again, I I like Hardy more than a lot of other people. I know a lot of people get frustrated with him, but again, he, he's a young player. He's only in his second year. He didn't even play a full season last year. He spent most of his time in the G League, and he only played around half a season. And you just have to give guys time to develop. Um, you know, look at Josh Josh Green's first year was completely nil, and then his second year, he was a lot better. Playoff time came around. You couldn't really play him. He, he struggled in the playoffs. But you just you have to give guys a chance to develop. You, they're not gonna guys aren't gonna dominate in their second year. I mean, obviously Luca's a different player, but other players aren't gonna do it. So um, I don't know. It's it was very exciting to see that game last night against or yesterday against Oklahoma City, being that Oklahoma City is you know a top team in the West. And Dallas just put it to them, um, you know, showing that, you know, the those trades did make their team better. A lot of people looked at the trade and they said, "How does the team? How is the team better?" You gave up. Technically, they gave up a first round swap, and you could say, and they're arguing two first round swaps because you gave up a first round swap to get Grant Williams, and then you gave up another first round swap to get a pick to get. Daniel Gafford. So technically, you only gave up one first-round pick, and I'm fine to give away that that pick. You know, you, you have to improve your team. You can't you can't say, well, Luke a lot might leave in two years, so I need my pick in four. I I would just rather have the better player. I'd rather have PJ Washington, and. I would rather have a better team to put around Luca now than to try and guess whether or not he's going to leave or not. I don't. I don't think he's going to leave. I think Nico, since he's taken over, has done good to improve the team. Sort of in the way he's approved. I think a lot of people want overnight improvement, but I didn't think Dallas. Like, like I said, I thought Dallas overachieved in that year they made it to the Western Conference Finals. They basically, they I knew they were better than Utah. Everybody thought they were better than Utah, and they were better than Utah. Utah was a struggling playoff team all the time. Uh, you know, a lot of people are excited about Donovan Mitchell now, but everybody sours on Donovan Mitchell when they get to the playoffs, even when he's been in Cleveland. You know, go look at Brunson, how he outplayed Mitchell last year. So, 
I knew Dallas was better than Utah, and I knew Dallas would beat Utah. In the Phoenix series, Dallas, they won their home games. That's what they had to do. And when it came down to win the series, Luka was the show-up, and the other guys were the no-show. Um, you know, you were able to survive with Powell because they had DeAndre Ayton, who's been a very underwhelming first-round pick, or number-one pick. Chris Paul was obviously aging, and he's not the same player. And then Booker, he just he doesn't show up for primetime. We've seen it. I'm not make, taking any shots at Booker. I'm just saying that it is what it is. And maybe one day he'll start. I don't know. But right now, when it's when it's time to get it done, he, he's not a guy that shows up. So uh, it is what it is. So anyhow, you know, once they got to the Western Conference Finals, it was clear Golden State was the better team. They let Brunson go. Obviously, we all know that was a mistake. And their team was full of guys who couldn't dribble, who just stood it, who just stand and shoot. And you know, slowly Nico's been getting rid of those guys and bringing in guys who can dribble. And, you know, you had Bertans, who you don't want dribbling the ball. And you've got rid of Bertans. You know, you had, um, as much as I like Dorian, and I'd take Dorian back, but Dorian can't dribble the ball. And having one or two players who can't dribble is fine. Having an entire roster is not fine. And I just felt like Dallas was full of guys who just stood there and shot threes. And to add Lively, to add... Omax, who I think at some point, and maybe it's next year, Omax, who can he can contribute to this team. And, you know, I think Hardy was a Nico pick, I want to say. I know, uh, I want to say it was Finley that wanted him, but I'm pretty sure it was Nico. You know, I like Hardy. I like P.J. Washington. Obviously, Kyrie Irving getting Kyrie was huge. You know, PJ getting PJ, getting um, Daniel Gafford. Like I said, these guys are 25 still. It's not like they're 30. It's not like getting Bogdanovich, who's 34. You know, these guys are 25, and you've improved your team every year. This is probably the best. I think this is the best Mavs team since maybe the. I want to say it's like 2013, 2014 team. And I think that was the team that took San Antonio to seven games in the first round. I think that team was a little bit underrated. They didn't win as many games as you might have wanted them to because they didn't end up as the eighth seed. But I think they were a very talented team with, uh, well, you know, with Monte. I still think they had Sean Marion. Dirk was still on the team. They had Vince Carter. Um, I think Dallin Bear was their starting center. It's not bad. But I think that was a good team. I think this team is better than that team. But I think this team is the best team they've had since then, including that Western Conference title run team with, you know, with Brunson. I think this team is way better. You know, you put this team in that year, and I don't think Dallas gets, you know, 4-1 by Golden State. I don't know if Dallas wins that series. I don't know. But... I think they have a heck of a lot better chance. 
other than that, I this team was probably better than um, the up. Uh, this team is probably the best team since the title team. Um, that's I I just think it is with the new additions, uh, you know, with Lively and PJ and Gafford um, being major contributors because they need they needed front court size. They needed front court size bad. And you know the addition of Kyrie, obviously. Um, so I, I think this team is slowly getting better. And I know people wanted it to change overnight. Dallas didn't have the, you know, like the Lakers were started the series started the season last year really bad. They made one trade, and because they had that huge expiring Russell Westbrook, they were able to get a lot back. And then made the Western Conference Finals. Um, they got swept because Denver was clearly better. But they had that one piece. Dallas didn't have that one piece to trade. And so, you know, you go into next year. Um, I figure, I don't know who Dallas is going to sign. If they're going to bring, you know, maybe sign A.J. Lawson. Or if they're going to bring Marcus Morris or Daniel House or whatever. I saw Kyle Lowry sign with Philadelphia. Spencer Dinwiddie did sign with the Lakers, um, which was an interesting pick. I'm sure he watched the Mavs game afterwards and probably regretted his decision immediately, but so be it. Um, in all honesty, I I would take a shot at Killian Hayes. I know a lot of people are against it, but I say you sign him for the rest of the season. And... If he's somebody that you think can play, he's just another young player you can add. It, it, there isn't a player available that's going to change the dynamic of this team, right? That buyout guys, people who get excited about buyout players are funny because they're, they're, there's a reason they were bought out, right? They're, they're not going to make huge impacts. Can they make an impact? Yeah, Dinwiddie can upgrade the level of talent on the Lakers maybe. He hasn't played that great this year. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell's been playing great lately, and so if he's going to take minutes away from Russell, is that a good thing? I don't know. But there isn't a guy who's going to have a huge impact, who's going to change your team that you're going to get from a buyout, even if you get Marcus Morris. He's probably not going to play a lot. You're going to play Gafford. You're going to play Maxi. You're going to play Lively. You're going to play PJ. You're not going to play a ton of Marcus. They don't play a ton of Markeith. I see them as the exact same player. I know some people think Marcus is the better player. I don't know. I think they're identical. There's no difference when I watch either of them. Um, I would go for Killian Hayes, honestly. I, I think he has a really good defensive you know, wing potential guard. He can get out there and defend. If you need a defensive guard... I think he's been on some really bad teams with some honestly bad coaching and bad players. And, you know, should he have been picked as high as he was? Maybe not. But that doesn't mean he's a bad player. You know, Luca should have been taken one. Um, Ayton and Bagley should have come after. You know, I, I would rather have Killian Hayes over Mo Bamba. I think you know. I think Mobamba was taken higher than Killian Hayes. I'd rather have Killian Hayes. Mobamba to me does nothing. 
but I think Killian Hayes can can give you something. Like I said, perimeter defense, and he's a young player. He is. He's really young still, and he still has a lot of development to go. And if you can get him and he works out, you can keep him for the rest of the year. If it works out, you can re-sign him, and he's not going to cost you a lot. He's going to be a 13th, 14th, 15th guy. Those guys don't cost you a lot. But if he doesn't work out, you just move on. And, you know, like I said, right now they have, at the by the end of the season, they'll have three empty roster spots. They'll probably re-sign Derek Jones. He's one of the guys that's a free agent, I believe. You know, maybe they'll let Markeith go. Maybe they'll keep him. And then you still have a spot. And if Killian Hayes is, you know, doesn't work out, there's guys like Kelly Oubre out there who you could go get who can improve your team. And I, I, I would love to have Kelly Oubre. I think Kelly Oubre is a free agent. I went and looked at some free agents out there. And Kelly Oubre was one of them. And if Dallas could get Kelly Oubre in the offseason, that's a, that's a big help to your team. And, you know, maybe they can turn um, – Tim Hardaway's expiring into something. And I think Dallas is, you know, slowly putting together a, a team that, you know, maybe they don't compete for finals. They're not going to be easy. They're not going to be an easy out in the playoffs. I can tell you that much right now. If you think Dallas is going to be an easy out in the playoffs, you're crazy. They're going to be a tough team to play. And um, I'm curious to see what happens when the playoff time comes because – the only team, I, I think, to me, the only team you probably maybe have a better player on the floor is Denver. I think in every series, Luka's going to be the best player on the floor. Now, obviously, guys can step up and have good Kawhi. Uh, we've seen Kawhi show up and have you know dominant series, and he could do it again. Um, Kawhi, good for him. He's played all season. Um, good for the NBA. He's a fantastic player. Uh, but you just never know with him. I think, you know, Dallas, I think if Dallas were to play Minnesota, Luka's better than Anthony Edwards. He is. I, if you think Edwards is better, that's because you like Edwards more than you like Luka. That's it. But the fact is, is Luka's a better player than Edwards. And now Dallas has more size. They have Washington. They have Gafford. And that's one thing that Minnesota has that Dallas struggled with when they played them is size. Same thing with Denver. Dallas has more size now. So, um, I honestly, like I said, Dallas is going to be in the bottom four when the playoffs come. Who they play, I don't know. I would like to see Oklahoma City be their first-round series because I think Dallas can get past them. Uh, The way it's set up right now uh, with Minnesota first and OKC fourth, I would like to see that, and I'd like to see Dallas fifth because I think Dallas would – if they could get the Clippers and the Nuggets playing each other somehow without um, having to go through both teams, I think it's a better chance for Dallas. I think Dallas has a better chance of doing something if they were to play OKC, then Minnesota, and then you face either Denver or the Clippers. But if you're in a situation where like the Clippers finish first and Denver finishes second and all of a sudden you're – having to face both to get to the final. That's a tough road for Dallas. And But like I said, I, I think as as we go, um, like this offseason, you, uh, you know, you have that second-round pick. You can pick a player, keep him as a two-way. Um, 
because Dallas did pick up a second round pick, I think, and it's Boston's pick, so it'll probably be, it'll probably be the last pick in the draft. And uh, then you have Tim Hardaway's expiring that you might be able to find someone available to improve your team. I don't know who it is, who might be available, but there might be someone available that can improve your team, and you could use Tim Hardaway's expiring to get it. So. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think Nico's done great. I would still like to see an, uh, an upgraded coach. Um, like I said, I, I felt like Kid tried to ruin the game yesterday when he went small, and it's so frustrating when he plays small ball because this team just doesn't play small ball very well. And I, he learned, I guess, quickly because it didn't work. So he put two guys out there again. He either had Gafford and Maxi, or Gafford and PJ or – Maxi and PJ, you got, you always have to have two of those guys, and when Lively comes back, it'll be just that much easier. Anyhow, I've probably let this go longer than I wanted it to go, but I, I did want to talk about the game yesterday and how exciting it was to see the new guys, you know, show up. And like I said, I I think PJ is going to be a lot better on this team than he was with Charlotte. Obviously, he's got better teammates, and that can give you an extra basket or two, and that's all you need to raise your scoring average four points, right? You need to raise your scoring average from 13 to 17. That's two baskets. I, I think this team, <laughs> the playing with these teammates, is worth two baskets a game. So I, I'll bet you when we go back and you you split his uh, season up with Dallas and Charlotte, you're going to see something like 13 points a game for Charlotte. I'll bet you you're going to see something like 16 to 17 points a game with Dallas. And I, I think that's going to be huge for them. So um, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. If you could rate and review the podcast, Road to Good Podcast. I'd really appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see you later.